From the moment you see the lights in your rear view mirror until you get your license back and drive off, getting pulled over can be nerve-wracking, no matter who you are. I explain the situation as best I can, and then I also, uh, they said, would you get out of the car? And I said, certainly, I got out of the car, and they're start I can tell they're getting ready to initiate a sobriety test. I say, I'm gonna tell you right now, I had too much to drink, I should not be driving. And the experiences are not one size fits all. Like I'm seeing the blue lights just take off, doof, doof, doof. And the one crime unit guy behind me pulls out and takes off, and I'm yelling. I'm pure yelling and crying like, bruh, who's going to put my car back together? Who's putting my car back together? In Wilmington, North Carolina, three officers were fired for racial slurs and threats caught on camera. So he's like, can I talk to y'all for a minute before I go into this press conference? I was like, yeah, what's going on? He said, so I'm going to let you know right now, um, I got three officers that I'm, I had to fire. This is Bigger Circles. Pulled over. Welcome to Bigger Circles. Bigger Circles is a program that encourages everybody to broaden their friends circle a little bit in order to get to know people a little bit better. My name is Eric Medler. I'm a morning country DJ in Wilmington, North Carolina. Yes, and I am Brandon Big B Hickman. I am the afternoon guy on the hip hop station in Wilmington, North Carolina. And we are both broadening our circles a little bit with somebody who we already liked. How you doing, B? I'm doing well, man. How are you? How was your week, bro? Week was okay. You know, it's the same, 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 same a lot. Uh, just sitting at home. Still, you're still doing your show from your home studio, right? Right. I'm yeah. doing the same thing. There's a difference recording in your home studio. First off, there's like a little delay. So yep. it's not quite live, but it's kind of live. Right. Mine is a little glitchy. So I have to sometimes record and then place it in. Like I can get some stuff. Like if we got a breaking news, it's going to take me about 20 minutes to get it back in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little bit of a challenge, but I think that everybody has workplace challenges and it's hard to broaden circles right now with everything that's going on. But I think it's also with everything that's going on, very important to broaden your circles, to bring some people who are maybe a little bit dissimilar from you into your uh, inner circle rather than on your uh, periphery of friends that you still consider friends, but don't really know their backstories. And that's how B and I kind of started this whole thing and what it is is we want to create a bigger circle mm -hmm. so that folks listening can create a bigger circle do you know your friends but do you really know your friends well this is where we find out let's get into it we've got a busy week that had happened not only here in our town but across the country and let's talk about the headlines in wilmington north carolina on thursday june 25th 2020 so some right. of the things that were making big headlines Mm -hmm. A couple of Confederate statues were removed from downtown Wilmington. That was huge. That was a big thing. Let me ask you this. So the, the statues, I know that one of them was uh, honoring George Davis. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't believe the statues are, are learning centers. I just don't believe that to be the case. <laughs> so because I've driven past that thing a, a hundred times, it's in the middle of a busy intersection that is in the center of a roundabout. Nobody is stopping at that park right. to look at that monument in any other way than to, to, Cross the street. Basically. To cross the street. That's it. What does that monument mean to you? Because it's been an ignored part for me. It legitimately, I, I've ignored it. To me, I don't. It doesn't have any significance to me. Um, since I've been a boy, I know it's just a, a Confederate soldier that they have honored and said he's done great things, but he actually lost at Fort Fisher. So I don't understand. You, know, I don't know why he was a centerpiece of Market Street, a part of the red shirts you know, inside of the 1898, right? So it's 
it's definitely a slap in the face. Three black police officers were fired recently. We're going to get to that in just a moment, but we want to talk about the police a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever been stopped by the policeman? I have. You want a story? Yeah. I would love to hear it. I want to hear your story. (laughs) Please. Okay. And here's the deal. I'll give you my story if you uh, give me yours after I'm done with mine. I have plenty. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So there's a difference. I don't have plenty. I've got a few. I'm trying to think of maybe the most entertaining one. The most uh, the, the, the I, when I say entertaining, I mean the, the one that I had the most interaction with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've only been pulled over in Wilmington once, maybe twice. Oh. All right. One of them was I had forgotten to get my inspection done, and I think I had a light out on the other one. So was, I had no I had no major experience with the police here in Wilmington, other than the 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 great work that I've done with them, and you have it too, uh, in, in philanthropic stuff in, in helping our communities because we do have some great officers here that have done. Great work here in town. Right. So my story comes from Olean, New York, which is a place right on the Pennsylvania border. And I lived there for about 10 years prior to moving down here. Okay. I got a job at a car dealership. I was out of work. I had been working at a a furniture factory, Mm -hmm. doing overnights. That is a thankless job, by the way. If you've ever unboxed a desk and had to put it together with all those little parts and pieces, yeah, I am the guilty party for about four months I did that. Okay. Oh, horrible job. <laughs> a nightmare. Yeah. Midnight until or 11 p.m. till 7 in the morning, putting together those particle board things and oh, just a nightmare wow. job. Anyway, so I got another job at a, a car dealership. Okay. That is a, a real, at least the one I was in, it was predominantly testosterone-filled dealership. Mm, okay. I get to know the guys a little bit. I'm there for like maybe two, three months. And then they, they, a couple of them had said, hey, let's go out and grab a beer. And I realized after having learned a little bit about the business, I'm going to rely on these people for part of my income. Sometime I'm going to be busy and they're going to have to take care of one of my customers. I'm going to have to take care of one of theirs. So I figured it's good that we have a relationship. So I decided to go out right, and uh, get to know these guys a little bit. The one guy I went out with who I still love to this day, great guy. I love the guy. The guy's name is Jeff. And uh, he and I, he said, let's go out for a beer. And he brought me to this place that is not the kind of bar I would typically go to. And honestly, it's not the kind of bar he would go to except on a Friday night happy hour because it's a meat market kind of bar. Okay. So, and he's, he's, uh, I'm, I'm roughly 35-ish maybe when I'm there. He's maybe 10 years older than me. He's just, it's not a meat market kind of you see a 45-year-old guy in a meat market bar at one o'clock in the morning, it, 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 that is one lonely dude. <laughs> this is not the kind of place he would normally go to. This is a guy who plays Santa Claus for his grandkids all the day. He's just a great guy. But he also knows how to drink a lot better than me. He, when he would go to the bar and get a drink, we're getting to know each other. Uh, he would grab two beers to my one. So he would come back with three beers to the table. He would finish his two when I would be halfway through my first one. Wow. So I'm playing a little bit of catch up with this guy. And when I'm playing catch up, I'm like trying to keep up one beer to his two. That is my struggle. (laughs) So anyways, uh, we get to the, I I maybe have had four beers, maybe five. All right. But it's been in the course of like an hour. He drinks like a fish. It's quick. I've had these in an hour, maybe two hours. I made the horrendous judgment call to say, you know what? I probably, I only live like seven blocks from here. There's no is it itty bitty town. Uber doesn't exist at this point. You're right. Taxi is nearly non-existent in this town. I think there's two taxis that service that whole little town. Okay. And I, I make the bad decision to get behind the wheel. Okay. 
So I get behind the wheel. I leave this bar. Uh, I'm going to guess time about 10 o'clock at night, maybe 1030. Uh-huh. Uh, and I drive. It's kind of, you're kind of taking back roads to get there, but you got to take one block up the main street. The main drag. It's one of those towns that only the town that only has one main drag in town. It's that size of a town. Wow. It's a long main drag. It's about four or five miles long, but all the business is on that drag. Okay. Yeah. Main Street. Main Street. It's Main Street. So I, I have to I kind of gotta do a block up and then get to the other side to get to the to my house. Mm-hmm. I am driving a 1978 stick shift that does not have a good clutch. Ooh. Like so, is the stick shift like on the steering wheel? No, it's not that old. It's in the floor. Okay. It's not three on the tree, man. It's it's four on the floor. Okay. Got so <laughs> it might have been five on the floor, but whatever. Four on the floor sounds a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> sounds a lot more badass for a grandpa car. <laughs> Here's the problem. When you try and come out of first gear, it's a very touchy clutch at that point. So even at the best of times, when you're at the best of times, it'll stall out occasionally. Okay. And, and even at the best of times, every once in a while you go, and it just stops. Like it shakes like hell. And then it stops. You go about five inches, maybe two feet forward. Mm -hmm. Now my drunk mind said I can operate my own clutch fairly well. Okay. I have experience here. Okay. (laughs) Even if I've had a few, I know how to drive my stinking blank blank of a car. Right. So I get on that little street, I come off the side street, I shoot up the one block I've got to go on Main Street and then take the left that I've got, and then I'm getting ready to take the left, I should say. I'm getting ready to take the left onto my street and I live at the end of that block, right off Main Street. Okay. I have to stop to make the left because there's a car oncoming. There is a police car just to the right of me parked in front of a bar waiting to bust people who are drunk getting out. Oh. All I've got to do is make that clutch work okay, and I'm getting away with drunk driving, which is not what I should be doing, but it's what happens. Right. It happens every day in every city. Don't say it doesn't, and it might even be uh, anybody listening has gone through this. Right. That moment is when I could not operate my clutch properly. So at that left-hand turn, I stall. I restart. Obviously, this gets the cops' attention. I try it again. Now I've gotten the thing started and now my power steering, which was iffy, goes out in the midst of this turn. So I've been first gear, my power steering, if you've ever had your power steering go out, you know what I'm talking about. It goes from feeling like turning a feather to now all of a sudden you got a hundred pound block that you've got to crank to get the thing to go around. I am now trying to get away. I'm not really running from the police. I am aware of the police. I am now headed directly towards the corner, not the road into where the he- the street lamp post is at. Oh. I look like I'm flailing in the car because my power steering has gone out. So I'm oh, really pulling on that thing and they have to see everything that's going on. Right. I look like a drunk driver because I am. It's what happened. I'm right. not proud of it. So I get down to the, the end of the block, which is where my house is on the corner at the end of the block, my, my driveway I could have turned into my driveway from that street. So my, that, that's where my driveway is on that street. The nose of my car is at my driveway when I stop the car because of the sirens and the lights that are behind me. Mm-hmm. 
stopped the car in front of my, basically like, like the nose of my car is at the edge of my driveway. Not pulling in, but off to the side, pulled over like you would for a police officer. Right. So I have made the conscious decision being a man of good conscience and taking my beatings when I have earned them. I've decided I'm going to admit to what I have done. Prior to the police officer coming out, I don't want to go through this. I just want to admit it, take my lumps, and find out what happens. Right. So the cop pulls me over and says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty certain you do because you saw, I explained the situation as best I can. Uh, and then I also, uh, they said, would you get out of the car? And I said, certainly I got out of the car and they're start, I can tell they're getting ready to initiate a sobriety test. I say, I'm going to tell you right now, I had too much to drink. I should not be driving. Mm. That was me. Right. I didn't try to get out of it. I was ready to admit guilt. I did admit guilt. They administered the drunk driving test anyway. Okay. I did the uh, the alphabet thing, which in in I don't know if you had this here, but try to say the alphabet backwards when you're sober and you can't do it. But I tried because they asked me to do that. Right. The walking test didn't turn out well. I mean, I I was more drunk than I had expected myself to be. Let's just call it what it is. Right. It's the cop that has pulled me over that I'm having most of my interaction with, and then there's another cop with him. So the cop I'm having the interaction with says, "Where do you live?" And I point to the house that we're right in front of. Right. I said, I live right here, officer. And he said, well, you are a lucky man. If you had lived in the house next door and the bumper of your car wasn't basically overhanging on your driveway, you'd be coming in with me right now. But what I want to do is just get the hell back into your house. Give your keys to officer, whatever his name was, his partner. And he's going to pull your car into your driveway and then don't do this ever again. So here's how the rest of this plays out. I say to the officer, my clutch is really bad. You're going to have a hard time starting. And the cop looks at me as I'm trying to start to help him drive my car. He goes, hey, man, I'm a cop. I know how to drive a car. And he, so he, takes, he rips the keys out of my hand. Oh, man. <laughs> he hops in my car in the driver's side. He can't get it to go. I, I don't know if the windows rolled down or not, but at some point I say, hey, man, you just got to be very careful. You'll feel where the clutch comes out and he just starts the car again. I, I'll say, you'll feel where it catches. You know, I'm trying to help the guy move my right. car. <laughs> and then he starts the car up. He, start, <laughs> just, he makes it about another three feet. Wow. The cop gets out of his car, throws the keys at my chest, says, park your fucking car and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and they drove off. The end lesson to that, let me just tell you what, what the end result of all of that was. Not only did I get out of jail, that's certainly where I would have been going, mm-hmm. possibly losing my license, livelihood, everything that I was trying to establish. Right. All of those things were possibilities. Right. At that point. Mm-hmm. What I did learn, don't drive drunk. Get an Uber, call a cab, walk. Never. So here's the to to their credit, they did what I believe police should do, which is to they made their community better because and not through their actions, but through my response to their actions. 
through their actions, they did not remove a drunk driver from that city. For all they knew, they were going to bust me the next Friday night. They didn't know me from Adam. Yeah. They gave me a pass, and I took that pass and learned the lesson from it, and I, I, I believe I'm a better person for it. Mm -hmm. So here we are today, and I'm, I'm still that better citizen, I believe. I don't, I don't get I, Uber. I, Uber has made a difference for, I think, a lot of people. Yes. But still... I could have just not taken that lesson and said, you know, I'm not going to spend the 20 bucks on an Uber or whatever it is. Yeah. Getting around isn't cheap. If you're sitting, especially if you're one of those people like me, like I used to be set aside that 15 bucks for the place where they got the beer specials on Friday nights. Right. You already, you already got it planned. Like, I'm, man, I got my budget I'm set. Drinking, I'm, <laughs> drinking, then I'm going home. That's right. So that was, uh, that was my most interactive police experience. Okay. What's yours? Um, I need a story from you, B. Now this would now you're a Wilmington native, right? But you know what? I've never really been stopped in Wilmington. You know, I've never been like like somebody on me. It, it, I got a funny one on the way home. I was in Brunswick County. I was in Brunswick County, and I, for those of you who don't know, that's just over the bridge for us. Just over the bridge. So I was in Brunswick County. I was going home because I was living in, living there, and so I'm on the way home. And I'm in, I got this endorsement deal with Hyundai. And so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm picking up a Hyundai. I'm picking up what type, any type of Hyundai once a week, once every other week, I have a new a vehicle. So there was a, a checkpoint and I'm driving. I'm thinking, on dealer plates. Yeah. I'm on dealer plates. So I'm driving, um, shouts out to, uh, uh, Mary. She gave me like the, it who's was, Mary. Mary is the general manager of Hyundai. Okay. That's out to her. So for those of you who don't know, uh, if you're, if you're kind of in this and wondering why we're talking about this kind of stuff, we're both radio personalities and right. occasionally businesses will ask us to endorse their product and let us use their product to endorse it. That's really the situation right. that B was in. And, and, and how I even got that was they asked me, the agency asked me and Mary asked me, when you think of Hyundai, what do you think of? And I said, Rodney King. And they all looked at me like, what? I said, he was in Hyundai and everybody couldn't believe that. He was going 80 miles in a Hyundai at that time. <laughs> 80 miles an hour in a Hyundai. Yeah, at that time, we were like, Hyundai's going 80 miles an hour? You know, they don't it, just rattle apart. Right. Because we, we think like, it's, you know, it's like 1991. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so that was always a big joke with comedians. It's like, now nah, y'all know they beat him for no reason because there's no way that Hyundai, because, you know, Hyundai had just got on the market. So, they were brand new then, yeah. Yeah, there's no way Hyundai can go anybody. And so when they looked at me, they said, are you really serious? I said, I promise you, I think that every time I think about Hyundai. And they, they said, what do you think? Um, I guess cheaper than normal. And it's like, right. So they gave me the Hyundai. The very first one I drove was this amazing, it's called the Genesis. Ooh, I remember that car. That was a gorgeous car back in the day. I wanted one of those. What was that like? It's like 40 grand. So it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's like it talks to you. It, I mean, whatever computer is Wi-Fi on it, like anything. So I'm driving this beautiful car and I get to the checkpoint. So can I see your license registration? I said, man, I don't have no registration in this car because I drive one once a week. <laughs> and the guy thought, I guess he thought I was lying. You know what I mean? He yeah. Like, can you pull over? I was like, yeah, I, was like, I don't have no registration. I said, this is what they give me, though. This is what the dealership gave me. And it's like my name and who I am is who I am. 
Um, and then it says endorsement and it says I'm pulling ahead of the vehicle from this state to this state. And um, the owner, the actual owner is Hyundai of Wilmington, yada, yada, yada. So I give him that. And the guy looks at me. He said, you don't have registration? I said, no, sir. I said, I do not own this car. This is a Hyundai car, but I actually I'm endorsed. And he walks away, comes back, and he's like, how you get endorsed? And I was like, be on the radio. I was just like, you know what? I'm like, I'm just on the radio, bro. He's like, all right. Uh, so you sure you haven't stolen this car? I was like, no, man, no. I said, I'm not even nervous talking to you right now. I am, but I'm not. Like, I, right, yeah. I steal the car, you know? And he's like, all right. Uh, is there anybody you can call? I was like, are you really serious, bro? I like you got my license. You, I'm going home. You can like call me. I'm going to the house. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not hiding. My, the car is going to be in in front of my house. <laughs> if y'all think I'm lying, he's like, we're going to let you go this time. So I was like, oh man, that was some bullshit, you know. And so that that was one that was one in this area. But the biggest one though, bro, I was I was teaching school in 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 uh, Charleston, and I was on Dorchester Road, which is Charleston, North Charleston. And I was on North Charleston, and I got pulled over. And I don't know if you remember. You you remember Fast and Furious, correct? You know what? I never got into those movies, so I don't know the details of it. But I'm sure that people listening will, so go right. in. If you know Fast and Furious, you know it was a big thing about having Hondas and uh, kind of souping them up, smaller cars. But I had a Honda, and I had just purchased a Honda Sport. And it was a, a, a dark forest green with the leather interior. But what what was on the side of it was it was a Honda sport and had Honda just, it said Honda sport and underneath it, it said it in, in Japanese. Like it was, it was written in Japanese underneath it. But when people would pull up, cause it's that same era of, 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 of uh, fast and furious. So people would pull up that had souped up cars and see the writing and be like <laughs> next to me and i'm like oh man i was like nah i'm good bro like i don't even race or none of that it's just a, it's just a sign on the card you know it's on the side and so i guess there had been a lot of racing and stuff like that on, on dorchester road and one time someone got popped and uh, i guess they had drugs or stuff like that they was they was moving weight or whatever and this car was similar to the car I was driving but it was black and had the Honda Sport on the side, but it wasn't in Japanese. From from my understanding, mm-hmm. I was driving, going to my homeboy's house. We taught school together, so I'm going to his house. We are gonna hang out, whatever. And I'm coming out Georgechester Road, and like out of nowhere, it's like seven cars just, boom, 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 boom. and like three of them passed me, boom, boom, lights. And I was like, whoa, what was that? Right, right. And then the police. That's, that's so. These are cars that are racing down that road. Right, right. And so the police. It's about, it's like seven cars, but like three of them pass, and then you can see the other ones like peel off and go over where, and I'm just driving like, what in the world? And then it's like 10 police, and they, they zoom past me, and I guess they can't get them, so they all stop. Like, this is on the middle of Dorchester Road. They all stop and block, like, it's like four lanes of traffic. They just block everything, so I can't go any further. I just stop, and they all was like, get out the car, get out the car, and I was like, what? We know you were racing. You were racing. I was like, bro, I don't even have a stick shift. What are you talking about? This is like an automatic. I can't race nobody, you know? So they made me pull over. They took everything out of my car. When I say everything, they took everything out of my car. You know, I was grading papers. So they, that's, they took that out, went to my bags, some of the papers on the ground. It's like eight, nine o'clock at night. Stuff, 
uh, stuff on the ground. They had a supervisor come. Some like I guess he's a, a, a crime unit guy. He came and drilled, not drilled, but unscrewed my seats and took them out of my of my car. What? He took the seats out of my car. On the road, you're pulled over. Let me, I'm sorry. Let me, let me, I'm trying to get the picture right here. I want to make sure I'm seeing this right. Right. There's a race going on on a road that you happen to be driving on. Right, right. Cars go by. Police set up a barricade. They stop you. Right. Accuse you of racing because you have that uh, Tokyo Drift kind of stuff on the side right. of your car. Right. On the side, and I don't, I promise you, I have never raced. I'm not that guy. I even drive slow when I'm on the hot, like I'm on 40. Like if I'm on I 40, I'm driving the speed. Man, I know I've known you for a while. You got one speed and it's all right. All right. That's, that's your speed. Like, I'm right. like, what time we got to go? You know, whatever. Let me ask you this. Cause I'm curious when they, when they ask you to get out of the car, it's not like guns drawn. They're just kind of screaming oh, yeah. at you with their hands on their hips or what? No, there's guns drawn. Oh, Jesus. It's guns drawn. I've never had a gun drawn on oh, me. Oh, man, I'm scared as hell. Are you kidding me, bro? You're a teacher at this point. Yeah, I'm like, what in the world? And you know what? If, because you said- How old are you now in, in, this, in that moment? I'm like 25. Jesus. I'm like 25 at that moment. But I've never, ever been stopped before. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm fresh out of college. You know, teaching. teaching at school? Yeah, like I've never been in no trouble, man. So I, I'm out. And I'm like, because you said I teach school, I automatically went to like, I'm about to be in the paper tomorrow. That was, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be in the papers. I can see it. School teachers pulled over for racing, and I was like, I didn't do anything. I promise you, I wasn't racing. So they pulled me on. I was like, Yo, bro, that wasn't. I was not racing. I was like, They passed me. He said, You weren't racing with. I said, Bro, I said, Man, they passed me. They passed me. I don't race. Look at my car. It's not even equipped. These guys are really. These guys got the nitro and. Oh, I was like, I don't have that. I got. I said, you just took my stuff out. I, I teach school, man. Those like papers and stuff. I got a grade, <laughs> you know, that's on the ground. You got like papers on the ground. You got like, I think I had like a cooler, you know, it was, wasn't nothing in the cooler. It, they just pulled my cooler out of my trunk and it might've been some clothes or something I just had in the back of my car. Right. Mm-hmm. And then my bags and then they unscrew my seats, both front seats. Cause it was a two door. So they, they, unscrew both seats and pull the seats out. I guess they thought I was hiding something. So they pulled the seats out. They pull my they pull my tire out, my um my spare tire because they thought it was something in it. And they like like bust like they cut the tire to see if something was in the tire. Man, Jesus. they went through all my stuff. They split my back seat just to see if something was in the back. Then they got a call. They got a call. So I'm hot now. We got so and so ten ninety something, whatever the thing is, whatever the call with the code. They all got in their car and just drove. It was like, have a good night. After they threw your graded papers on the ground, pulled. Well, first off, let's just go right back to they pulled guns on you to get out of the car. Pull guns on me. My seat is on my both my front seats on the ground, bro. Like my car is in disarray. Like I can't put it. I'm mad now. I'm like, yo, who gonna put my car back together? And they knifed your back seat to see if there is anything in the... Yes. Is that how they did it? Yes. North Charleston police. I'm calling them out. It, it, was, it was like 98, 99. So they get another call 
they don't no no officer stays behind to no one has told me why I'm getting pulled over. They didn't even say because it was racing or nothing. They just like, um, you familiar, you like this familiar suspect. So that's an experience I've, I can't imagine ever having it. It's nightmarish to me that you went through it. I'm on the road. I'm on the side of the road. Well, it's a street, but it, I mean, it's Dorch. It's paint called- the picture for me. After these, after these police, I want you to paint the picture of what you're looking at through your eyes. Physically, what are you seeing after these I'm, police go? I'm seeing all the police on Dorchester in the, in the, in the uh, checkpoint pull off. Like I'm seeing the blue lights just take off. Doof, doof, doof. And the one crime unit guy behind me pulls out and takes off. And I'm yelling. I'm pure yelling and crying like, bro. Who's going to put my car back together? Who's putting my car back together? So I called my homeboy. I was going, he's like, yo, bro, where you been? I, be, I said, bro, you're not going to believe this. So at that time, you know what I mean? Like sales, I mean, I, I had my sales, so I called him, and he went picking up. Phone dying. I got to walk and go to a um, pay phone, which is about to be non-existent. <laughs> so I called him like, yo, bro, like my phone. Get ready. Phone just really dates this entire right. story. <laughs> my phone get ready. It's 989. So yeah, my phone's going to die, bro. Can you come? Can you, you have like a Phillips screwdriver, like a big one, like bring all your, just bring your toolbox. And so what I see is just those blue lights taking off and the other guy taking off behind them, the crime unit guy. And I'm like, wilding. I'm like, yo, who's going, you know, I'm cussing. Who's going to put my goddamn seat together? Yo, what the fuck? You know, and I'm just going off as they're passing. And then the other part of me is like, whoo. I'm glad that could have went really, really wrong. So my man comes, my homeboy comes. Shouts out to my man James Kills. He was teaching with me. We we both started teaching at the same the same year. He comes up with the tools and he's like, What happened? He sees all this stuff out in the he said what's going on i said so when he walks up on the scene what does he see if he didn't see anything what physically he is he seeing where are the seats where is everything at he sees the seats on the side of the road almost like in a ditch like they're just on the side like you, they took them like out. they were tossed aside Not tossed aside right and then my paper like my my, st- my bag was half open so the paper start you know it's windy so the paper start you know kind of flying out a little bit so he's seeing this stuff he's like what in the world he said what just happened and I was like, man, the police pulled me over, but they went through my car. I guess they thought I had drugs or something, man, because people racing. So, yeah, they race on Dorchester Road all the time. I said, bro, they thought I was racing, though. The, the, the guys passed me. They thought I was racing them. I was like, I'm just trying to get to your house. I even told him, I said, I'm going to James Kill's so-and-so house. And he made a joke. He said, man, don't tell him where I live at. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just saying, though, I was going to your house, and this is what happened. And he was like, wow. He said, you're going to get a lawyer, bro. You need to get a lawyer. And so there's no. Did call. you? Yeah, I did get a lawyer and I, through through North Charleston. And really, there's nothing they could do because they said, I mean, it was like a. They was like, it was, I forgot the term they used for them to actually go. And I was like, but I didn't have anything on me. They can't they get. Can they do something about my seats or something like that? Can they do something about that? And so what happened, there was a patrol guy who was in charge of patrol, and he just happened to find out about the situation and that I taught at his alma mater, which is the high school I was teaching at. And so 
somehow, some way, through some benevolent fun or something, they got my seat fixed. Like, cause they had this, the back seat was knifed down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they fixed that, but it was really nothing. I told him what happened, and he was like, "Man, it happened so much. Like they, you know, they bust in people's house, and they don't, you know, the door be off the hinge. They just walk off." And I was like, "Are you serious, bro?" So that was my big experience, man. Like, so side note, my homeboy shouts to on James Kills. Like, he put my seats back in. So we on the road for two hours. So James had the right tools for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we on, man, we on the side of the road for like an hour and a half trying to put seats in. And like, I got to find, it's not, I got to find the the actual screw. Cause I'm like, yo, there's a screw right there and there's a screw. I think that'll work. And then we didn't find a screw from one side. Like, so I'm have to just kind of put it together and then try to go to the dealer or somewhere to find a screw for these things. Cause I was, just, I was so pissed, man. So, you know, that, that messed with me for a while. Cause I was at home. You relive it. You know, when you go to sleep, you relive it. You wake up, you relive it. Does that still stick with you? And obviously it sticks with you because you can't go through that kind of experience and not have it stick with you. But does it, does it still inform your decisions? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because what if my thing was, what if I would have grabbed my wallet or looked like I was getting ready to get something? I definitely would have been shot. I really feel like I would have been shot. If I would have, it wasn't, so I got out the car with my hands. They're like, whoa, what's good? What's wrong? And they're like, quiet. You need to be quiet. Shut the F up. We know you were racing. I said, no, man. So they put me on the side. They sat me down. Never handcuffed me. They sat me down on the side of the road. and said, we're going to go through your car. You got any drugs in your car? Nope. Any liquor in your car? No, man. I teach school. I don't do none of that. Nah, I don't have any of that. That's what they say till we go through this car. And that's when the crime unit, they called a crime unit dude. I was out there for 20 minutes. Crime unit dude came in and just start unscrewing. I was like, what is he doing? He's unscrewing my stuff. It was crazy. To me, that's absolutely insane. Yeah. So in my what mind, were you teaching at the time and what was James teaching? Uh, shout out to James. Uh, shout out to Keels. I call him Keels. Keels. Um, what was Keels teaching? He was teaching uh, chemistry. He was teaching chemistry and um, he started off biology, but I think he was teaching chemistry. He was teaching sciences and I was teaching um, business education. So I had, I had like two classes of accounting that I taught and I taught marketing and I had like um, two freshman class of like keyboarding, like computer applications. And here you are on the side of the road after having guns drawn on you, trying to reassemble a vehicle so you can drive it home. Yeah, I just want to go home now. I'm done. Like, I don't want to be bothered at all. I'm done. Hey, let me ask you this. What was your next police interaction? Uh, I got pulled for speeding. And actually, I was, once again, that was too brutal. How long ago was this after that? Um, it might have been a year. Okay. It might have been a year too late. I was speeding. I was coming home. I was coming I was coming from Charleston, coming to Wilmington, and I was in Brunswick County, and I was speeding, and the guy pulled me over. And I think, I don't know how fast, I, I really don't know how fast I was going. And I was like, I was speeding, I was shocked. And so the, and the officer was like, he said, you were speeding. I said, I was, and I looked down, I was like, I was speeding? 
<laughs> he said, yeah, so I, you know, I might have had the radio up and rocking out. You know what I'm saying? I was enjoying the day. I might have. I don't know. I don't know if he thought I was being smart. He said, yeah, you were speeding. And I looked at him, and that when he, the way he said it, he didn't say it like um, super mean, but he said it like with some some force behind it. Yeah, you were speeding. And I looked at him. It definitely took me back to that evening. Cause I was like, oh man, I hope he don't pull his gun. Like he ain't have a reason to pull his gun. But, but neither did the other guys. Yeah, right. And so after that, I got super quiet. Like, I got super quiet. Anything you need to ask for this? Because he bought the ticket. Anything you need to ask? And I just like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't talk to him. I guess he was trying to have small talk then. Where you coming from? And I was like, home. You know, I would tell him Charleston. Like, I was at like, home. Where you going? Home. <laughs> yeah yeah i said i'm going to wilmington you know and it's right there i don't know if you if you're on highway 17 mm-hmm. come from myrtle beach there's a mcdonald's right there near ash north carolina i know exactly where I, i've been in that mcdonald's I just past that mcdonald's i know exactly so where you're going shalot so it's right there i just i had just passed that mcdonald's so after that i oh and so i had to go to i had to go to court in Brunswick county so i had to come back to Brunswick county and went to court, and the way they were throwing, it, they were giving people like 30 days, 90 days. I was like, oh, man, like, for speeding tickets? What's going on? You know, people had, like, rentals, and they hadn't turned them in and all type of stuff. And so when I got up there, they were like, how you plead? I was like, uh, driving school. <laughs> I was like, can you plead driving school? What is that? Yeah, guilty driving school? Something? I don't want any points on my insurance. And they were like, yeah, you can go to driving school. And so I went to driving school, like on a Saturday for four hours, 8 a.m. to 12 noon. It was crazy. And they make us watch all those films that we watch in uh, in uh, Driver's Ed with people getting a bunch of accidents and stuff. I'll take that. I'll take that. But that but that him pulling me over definitely took me back to that time. And it's, I think I think it still does. Like I got pulled over because my, my tags was wrong, but they were like. You all right? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm just going home right now. I said, I've been trying to get my car to pass inspection. It just don't pass. <laughs> That's why I got tags wrong. And they were like, oh, okay. We understand. I was like, here's, here's, the fa- here's the failure slip. It's my fault for driving raggedy cars. <laughs> so after all of this, uh, we both work relatively closely from time to time with the Wilmington PD. And the Wilmington PD was in the news here in the last week nationally in a way that was terrifying in a way and to me encouraging in a way Mm. it was we have a new for those of you who hadn't seen the news i suppose we should probably go through this yeah so so first of all okay here's the big thing we deal we're dealing with covid of course of course that's the the umbrella that we're under everyone is under and there was an announcement made on this past either Wednesday or Thursday that we were remaining in stage two. For those of you who have been going through it, like the rest of the planet, correct? we're not moving on to stage three for at least another three weeks. So it's still a, a safer at home kind of idea. Correct. You're correct. So we get that announcement. Then we also get uh, the protesters want to talk to City Hall and the protesters are calling themselves the lowercase leaders, uh, which I really think is is really cool but they, and this is for the black lives matter protests that are happening correct. here in our fair city correct and so they want to talk excuse me they want to talk to city council so that's going down 
in that same city council meeting, they elect, uh, or not elect, the city council votes. And appoints a new police chief. Appoints. They, they, well, the very first thing they do is not, they say they will not do a national search for the new police chief. And then the so city. you're in this, right? You're in that meet. You're in I, that environment. I watched that. I watched that on the Zoom that evening. Okay. Right. And then they said, we want to, we want to appoint uh, interim chief Donnie Williams to police chief, Wilmington Police Department police chief. And Donnie Williams is the first black police chief in Wilmington, North Carolina. Correct. And that vote was unanimous for the city council. And, and then the entire nation heard the first action of our new police chief. Correct. So that happens. And then the next day, so the very next day. This would be Thursday, the 25th of June, 2020. Correct. The very next day, I get a call from, shouts out to Miss Deborah Maxwell. She is the president of the New Hanover County NAACP. And she was like, yo, can you go with me to a press conference? And I was like, yeah. What time? She was like 2.30. She was like, I know you're on the air. I said, you know what? I'm going to pre-record. I'm going to come with you. And in my mind, I'm thinking Chief Williams is going to do a press conference because this is the first African-American chief, the first black chief. This is the first, uh, you know, this is history. He's going to talk about what he plans to do as the new chief. And I was like, oh, that's what's up. So I'm just going to go, you know, kind of support him because I do know who he is personally. Because he's done some things uh, for me in the community. Talk How have you worked with the, the police chief in the past? So I don't know. If, if I know him, I know him. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know any of the officers that I have worked with at events, which I've done for philanthropic stuff that both of us do. Right. So he was not the chief at that time. Um, no, he was not. But I, but I, I'll yeah. be, I would be hard-pressed to name any officer. Got you. He, he was Captain Williams. And, 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 before, and, be, and after that, he became uh, chief deputy or deputy chiefs, which was the second in command under our former police chief, which is chief Ralph Evangelist. Me and chief Evangelist, who I call chief E, we didn't really have a run in, but he said something in the paper years. I want to say maybe, maybe nine years ago, he said something in the paper about uh, a club downtown. He said, I'm just tired of the thugs and this hip hop thing is this hip hop music is just going to kill our kids and hip hop is just bad in these clubs. And I was like, what? So I talked to my homegirl, who was a writer who wrote that article. And I said, can you get me in contact with chief evangelist? I want to have him on my show. Cause I really want him to know what hip hop is. And chief evangelist came to the station. It was a big to do. He came to the station and we talked about hip hop and he said, you know what? I was mad B. And I shouldn't have said what I said. So I, I, hopefully, City Wilmington, you, you, you accept my apologies, but I want to know more. And so I would play a song that was, you know, conscious hip hop and, you know, just different genres of hip hop. And, and so he apologized. And after that, I gave him, I said, so since you, before you leave the station, I'm going to give you a name. He said, what do you mean? And I said, everybody in Coast has a name. I said, I like, uh, like one of our, our former, our former uh, coworkers, like Mike Farrell, we call him Jiggy Fly. And we call we called Mark Ward, who was our former production director. We call him uh, the Pride King, you know, all type of stuff. So we called him. We call Chief Evangelist Chief E. And he, I got. I'm sorry. Now I got to ask a personal question. Got to get you one. I know. Do oh, I have a nickname that I'm not aware of in no. that company? Oh no, no, no. We actually, <laughs> we actually, we haven't, we haven't given you one E. 
You can call you. You know what? If it comes up for a vote, do I get a vote? Yeah, you get a vote. You get a vote. It's nothing. It's nothing like we don't do anything degrading or anything like that. We just yeah, give right. your name because that's your it's your coast name. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, so um, like we called when Ray was there, we called Ray regular Ray. <laughs> Chief E and I developed this relationship, and then he introduces me to Donnie. But I think I've known Donnie before, and so uh, Chief and I. I, I don't want to say Donnie. I say Chief Williams. Um, so Chief Williams at that time was Captain Williams and he becomes chief deputy and he comes to speak at something I have um, through the station called the teen summit. And he comes to talk to the kids and he says, Hey, look, and I do this on something called successful Saturdays leading up to teen summit. And so he comes to that and we do it at the different um, housing authorities. And he said, look across the street. He said, you see that number? Um, 1213, 1213, 30th Street, 1213. I said, and he was like, everybody say 1213, 30th Street. And everybody said 1213, 30th Street. He said, 30th Street is probably one of the roughest streets in Wilmington to this day. And I grew up at 1213, 30th Street. I am from the Creekwood Housing Projects. And the kids look like, oh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm from Wilmington, born and raised. Um, I'm, I went to New Haven County Schools. I did leave to go to college and I returned to get into law enforcement because I thought I could help my community. And that's why I'm here. And so he was very blunt and honest. His big thing, his baby at that time, his baby on the police force was two things was the PAL program, which is the police athletic league for youth. Um, And so what they do is in all these neighborhoods, they have kids playing basketball, playing football, cheerleading, wrestling, golf, track they got them doing everything and um the kids compete and the coaches are police officers and his other baby is something called cop camp where kids can go and and learn about law enforcement and other things and have you know of course it's camp so they have arts and crafts and they go to the water park and they go to camp kirkwood or wherever they they go to for a whole day and they hang out and he does this for two individual weeks, two different sessions. And mm-hmm. the kids tend to about, I think it's nine or 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a half day camp and it's totally free. And the officers volunteer for the camp. They do not get paid for those hours that they deal with the kids. And his thing is that it's the beginning of community policing. That was his big thing, and it still is. That's always been his baby. His thing is community policing. So you got little Johnny who has come up through the uh, PAL program and maybe went through cop camp. In the next six or seven years, he's going to be 20, right? And if he does get in trouble, hopefully he will not. But if he does get in trouble or if he is hanging on the block, those police officers that are still working can be like, hey, yo, Johnny, man, go home. I'm going to call your grandmama. I'm going to call your mama or your uncle, your aunt, your daddy. Right. So now he's community policing. Right. Because you have established a relationship with him when he was little. So that in the back of his mind, he's like, man, go ahead home before you get me. It makes him think twice. So that was the big thing behind Chief Williams those two projects, which is the PAL program and cop camp. My baby Ike went to cop camp. He loved it and got a t-shirt. So that that's when I met him. So that's our relationship because 
I would talk about cop camp on the on the radio and say, hey, I, I know you mamas and daddies, I know y'all tired of kids during the summer. I got a camp that's free. Go sign up right now, sign up right now. And I have them come on. I would have Chief Williams come on and and who's now cat the captain, Captain Hargrove, at that time was Lieutenant Hargrove. Uh, he would come on and talk about the, the power program. And then there's a young lady, Sergeant Wolf, who's now in charge of the of of the PAL program. And she was a PAL kid. And so Sergeant Wolf is actually in charge of the PAL program. And she went through the PAL program. And she's an officer there. So a program that has worked historically. Yes. For about 20 years. That's his baby. He actually helped start that. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your relationship with him goes back to the inception of that? Or how long ago was this that you first interacted with the now Chief Williams? I want to say 2008, maybe. Okay. So a long time, long time association with him anyway. Yeah, yeah. so I know who he is. I know who he is. And um, he does a lot of the safety training and all that good stuff for, you know, kids and a national night out. You know, make sure your places are lit up. You know, he does a lot of that community work. Uh, neither here nor there. He, um, I get the call. I go because I'm thinking we're going to be talking about, uh, yay, you're the new chief. So he's like, can I talk to y'all for a minute before I go into this press conference? I was like, yeah, what's going on? He said, so I'm going to let you know right now, um, I got three officers that I'm, I had to fire because of some racial epithets um, and some, some things that went on. He said, um, pretty much uh, someone hit the car camera. And we do an audit of car cameras and body cams totally just out of the blue. We'll just pick and we'll go through like, you know, 10 cameras, body and car. We go through them randomly. And this particular one, um, it just was the car sitting, you know, on the side of the road. So we're like, why is the car cam on? Because they they didn't see the blue lights. They're like, what's going on? So an officer had hit the car cam by mistake and was talking to some other officers. And he went into, you know, I hope, you know, I'd be glad when this Black Lives Matter, the protests are over. And I'm definitely like, I'm, I'm not quoting the exact words because you might have it in front of you. But, well, I'm looking for those because I think it's important that we find them. And um, here they are. Okay. And at this point, this is where I'm going to have to do an edit. So I'll read those things exactly what they were because I don't have them right here. All right. All right. Cool. They, they say that. And then they, they criticize him. And, and to, the, to the effect, they say, you know, we need to slaughter all the niggas to that effect. We, it'll put them back four or five generations. That's what we should do. One of the officers says, oh, man, you crazy. Kind of waves them off. So, but they all three have a conversation about this at this time. And it, this is during... This is Memorial Weekend, kind of getting out of Memorial Weekend, that first, that Sunday, you know, going into the... the sure, the official, and we live, for those of you who aren't from Wilmington, this is, a, this is like a resort area, right. like right. a, it's a summer city, a, a lot of businesses, and certainly the outlying towns, make all their money on that weekend, that's the beginning of families beginning to feed themselves who work in these beach towns that are around us. Correct. So, um, and this is also the beginning of the Black Lives Matter stuff very start and so they're out there making sure people are okay but they're tired they i mean once again i'm not defending but i know what's going on they're tired they're sitting out there and they, they're pissed morale's low they, you know and it's he said what he said um 
So he says, yo, man, I, I had to, um, back to that chamber conversation, he said, I, I had to fire them. This is prior to him making that announcement he's yeah, talking he's, to you. He's, this he's, is prior to taking the mic with everybody saw on national TV. Right, but he's, he's saying exactly what he's getting ready to say. He's telling Almost me. like a test run with you, but he wants you to get the information from him right. first. Well, well, me and a couple other folks, he's, and I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I just, you know, I was with, I was with Miss Deborah. Miss Deborah said, I want you to come. And she thought it was the same thing I was thinking. And when he hit us with it, I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, and so he said, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to let you know right now. And I'm going to get, I'm getting ready to say it again. So you can hear it from me. Cause I need community folks to say he's doing exactly what he needs to do. There were some ministers in there as well. As he's saying this, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm asking for, he said, I'm asking for a decertification through the North Carolina law enforcement at the state level. So, you know, once you're fired, you can't go and work at the sheriff department. Like you will not be able to work in law enforcement inside of North Carolina. So I'm asking for that for all three officers. I'm also asking that the city council make available to the public, their personnel file, what they can make public. Cause there, there are some laws there that you can't, you can make it public, but you can't, you know, there's, of course there's medical. There's lines that can't be crossed. You're correct. But if they got a reprimand or something happened, they can make that. So, he said he was going to do that. I'm also asking the, the DA and our DA has been David. I'm asking him to dismiss all pending arrests and cases from all three officers. And that was pretty much what he said. And then he went in. What, how do y'all feel? And I was like, well, I said, you ain't been on the job, but eight hours, bro. You all right. <laughs> and he said, man, <laughs> he said, and this is just me paraphrasing because I'm not quoting him directly. And I know it was a private conversation, sort of, but he was like, I just want to be transparent. I want our community to know that I'm not going to tolerate it and that no one can hide behind badge for something that they feel they can't hide. He also went forward to say, how do we progress from this? He said, and he said this in the press conference as well. We're going to, I'm going to talk to every police officer. It's never been done. I'm going to talk to every police officer on our force between now and the end of July. I will be able to talk to each one for about 15 minutes and everyone will have a diversity training class. And if you've already had one, you will get a refresher. If you've never had one, you will do the four hours. And so that's, that's basically what he said in inside of the conference, the press conference as well. And he's just like, he said, I hate it happen, but we have to let folks know that I said, number one, I have to show I'm transparent and I want people to know he, he even released on the website, the women's and police website, what force is, you know, the use of force, what women's and police department thinks the use of force is and how, how they, do use of force uh, if they need to. What are the procedures for use of force and the exercise? So he's done that to be transparent and he's done this, which is major. So the next thing, as soon as this drops, every hot media, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, Washington Post, like everybody got it. And then, you know, if you got friends that know you live in Wilmington, your phone is probably blowing up. And that's what happened. 
also at the press conference was the mayor, the mayor and several city councilmen. They unanimously decided on opening that file, those personnel files, so people could see. I do feel that Chief Williams, just personally, and again, I don't know him at all. I'm looking at him the same way that everybody else in our community is, a little bit through national news, not getting the insight that you have. That's kind of part of why we're doing this, too. Right, right. Um, but it, it, I, I get the feeling that he is a guy who will look at things through a lens of community. Mm. Right. I think that he looks at things that what's best for the community and go right back to him. The inception of the, uh, 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 the PAL program. Right. He's to me trying to get back and move forward, pick up where the ball fell off. Mm hmm after 1889 and saying, look, this is a community that all of us are part of. And now we're going to continue. Now we need to really make sure that that's the case and no mob, especially not a mob within my own department tries to squelch that. Right. That's what it feels like to me. Right. It and feels like a picking up and we missed 140 years of, uh, of becoming a better city. Because of that environment, although we became a great city. Right. Right. Not, however, one that everyone has always felt was a part of them. Correct. That live here, right? Am I, am I totally, missing the point or am I getting it? Totally correct. And I have to be super, super blunt. Um, if, I'm from, if I'm from Creekwood or any housing project in Wilmington and somebody from where I'm from becomes a police chief, that's something for me to look at. That's hope. That is hope. So him being in that position is way bigger than just being the police chief. He's actually hope for a lot of kids. He's hope for a lot of people. And hope that no other teacher ever has to say to you, don't tell them where I live, bro. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> Let's face it. No, it's I really don't. kind of what we want to get to is right. to where, where the community is taken care of. And that nobody right. like James, I'm sorry. I can't remember what you call him, but your other teacher friend. Yeah. 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 So hopefully nobody ever has to say, don't tell him where I live, bro. Right. Right. And so, you know, that's hope. That's hope for kids. Like hope for me was, was seeing Meadowlark lemon. Cause I know we grew up in the same, he grew up in the same, I mean, at the same time, but same neighborhood. That's hope for me. I mean, I might not, I can't play basketball, <laughs> but I'm saying that's hope. Somebody from my neighborhood is doing well. Sure. You know what I mean? Or did well and, you know, became like the ambassador of goodwill, like as major, like an international star. Like I'm, and I'm always proud of that. So, you know, for a child to see, you know, you know, the police chief from my neighborhood, he grew up where I grew up. And so for him to interact and his interactions is they're not, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, shake hands, kiss babies. It's not an elected position. So he doesn't have to, you know, politics are out the window. It's just policy. Him being from Wilmington and having the relationships he has helps him and his detectives get down and dirty to find out, you know, murders and things like that, because he got to, you know, it's different when you're like, I don't know, I better not call. They might put me on the stand and subpoena me. Now they can text. They know him. Hey, man, y'all, 
send a text or email to Donnie and say, we, you know, that dude they're looking for, he'd be over here, but I don't want them to say my name. You know, and the relationship is different now because you know who he is. So. And I feel like he, 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 just through our different pullover stories, which were massively different, mm-hmm. I was the one more deserving of the treatment that you got. Mm. And you were the one more deserving of the treatment that I got. What? Let's face it. I was legitimately breaking the law. Yeah. I was putting people's lives at risk. Right. Not just my own. Right. I was greeted with a sober up and go to bed. You were grading papers headed towards another teacher's house to hang out with. Your students' papers were all over the ground and your seats were ripped out. And By all that I consider just in my own mind, we received the treatment that each other should have gotten. Wow. You received the treatment that I should have at some level of that gotten. Right. Honestly, what I was given... They could have given you a, a, a drunk test or whatever it was that they wanted and then just let you go. Right. Therein lies the crux of the issue. Right. And that's why we're talking bigger circles so that all of us can understand this stuff a little bit better. Why? Why? And so, I mean, super honest, man, you can ask anybody. And I think it's normal for anybody if the police get behind you that you're nervous. Well, mine is so extra dealing with whatever I've dealt with before or seeing the things that we're seeing now. When a police officer gets behind me, I'm like, yo, he riding behind me. And there's nothing wrong, though. Here's the thing. There's nothing wrong. Tag's good. Everybody good. I don't mm-hmm. know if the taillight's out or not. I don't know because I can't see back there. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying, when that happens, I'm like, oh, man, please behind me. Wonder, wonder what they want now. That's my thought. That's how I that's how I'm calculating my thoughts. And then when he pulls me over, I'm like, man, here we go. You know, so. Vastly different experiences. And that's kind of the systemic stuff that I think needs to change. I think that, I think that chief Williams, uh, just cause now I've learned more about him than I've known the entire time from you. Oh yeah. 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 Now I think from everything you're telling me, Sounds like the right man for this time of transition. This that I what I believe to be that we are on the cusp of some kind of massive transition in our policing. Yes, yes. And I think that Chief Williams, having been born from this community, not an imported cop, is a big thing. I think so too. Yeah. I think that having come up in this community and and gone away and then coming back to make it better is a good thing. Yeah. And the transparency. It's not just a good thing. It's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. We, we're the taxpayers. We pay the bill. We get to see what the people we hired to do the job are doing. 100% agree with that. I feel like the long arc of justice is bending in the right direction, no matter how long the journey is. Yeah. And, and that's, those are steps. You know what I mean? We, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those first steps were major Anywhere, but definitely in Wilmington. If you look at that, that them Thursday headlines, we're, we're having conversations that are tough because on Wednesday night, not Wednesday night, sorry, Tuesday night, um, there was a Zoom call about race. And on the Zoom call, I actually happened to be on that Zoom call, and it was, it was streamed live from, from the city of Wilmington's Facebook page. And I was on, that, on there and some other community leaders and city council and 
and the city attorney, and we just talked about race, and we talked about the statues, and then, and then the statues were gone. We're talking about two days later, the statues were gone. So we had a hard conversation. And then about the statues that got removed. And then they were gone. Now, I didn't know they were going to do that. No, I don't think anyone knew. I don't think. No, any- it was a surprise to everybody on Thursday Maybe morning. I remember reporting it on the morning show. Exactly. So that happened. And then you had. Have- I think there was even a statement on Wednesday night that, they, that, that the, the mayor, Bill Sappho, had, had, had said that, that no decision had been made yet. Correct. It's Isn't that right? Didn't, didn't the mayor say that no decision had been made? And then uh, within 12 hours, they were gone. Right. So which means they had some type of closed executive session where they vote. They had to vote on that. Mm-hmm. So that happened. You have this whole week. You have that happen. You also have the first black police chief that happens. And then the next day he fires three racist cops. National news. I, I hope that everybody takes a moment from from uh, this. If you're hanging out this long, you've <laughs> mm-hmm. hopefully you've decided to broaden your circle a little bit. One thing that I want to do with this podcast as we uh, continue to build it and have these conversations is I want to have you recommend a song for me to listen to, and we'll talk about this next week. Okay. And I'm going to recommend a song for you to listen to. I got you. And I, now remember, be plugged into to his format. Right. Me, not so much, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a song that, it, honestly, in light of it, it doesn't have to be in light of everything that we talked about, although it could be. It just could be a great song that you want me to hear because I, I am not exposed to that kind of music. I typically listen to, I have a broad variety of music that I listen to. Uh, very little urban music gets in there. I was brought up on classical and jazz, and now I do, uh, and and pop and rock a little bit, but okay. mostly classical and jazz. And then, and then um, I got into country because of a radio job that I got about 20 years ago and, and right around the time that Garth Brooks had come out, so 25 years ago. And so that's kind of where my country music journey begins, and uh, here we are sitting right now. I've got a song that I'll recommend to you. All right, I'm ready. This is really just for, you need to hear this incredible singer. Chris Stapleton, who you may know. Yes. He did the thing with Justin Timberlake really good for Tennessee Whiskey, and every, everybody knows that song. Yes. It seems. And if you haven't heard it, that's just like a bonus thing that you should listen to. Right. He has a song called Sometimes I Cry. Sometimes. That is very, it's just incredibly cool. Okay. So I want you to listen to that for next week. What song should I be listening to? All right. I want you to check this song out, right? All right. Um. And it's called, the name of the song is called Why. It's by a rapper who's very, very lyrical. His name is Jada Kiss. J-A-D-A-K-I-S-S. Writing it down. And Anthony Hamilton is on there. I don't know if you're familiar with Anthony Hamilton. He is from Charlotte, North Carolina. He's a singer. He's an R&B singer. How cool. There's two versions of it. And I want you, because we played on the station, I want you to listen to the remix. Okay. Okay, so it's it's Jada Kiss, Anthony Hamilton, Common is on there as well. Okay, uh, and there's several other artists on there, but Common's played here. I couldn't get tickets to that show. Yeah. Oh it's man, it's like if I knew somebody, I could have gotten some. We did the we did the open for that. No, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. We did the open for that. Anyways, like, it's such a small, cool venue, man. It's the the Greenfield Lake Amphitheater here. It right. seats what maybe a grand, maybe a thousand people. 
outside on the lake with common how did i miss that show amazing and you know what was crazy was crazy about it it's the same same promoter that you some of you i think you guys use y'all y'all rock with my man shout out to my man aaron flat flaggerty same promoter but yeah i want you to check out that comments on there i think uh if i'm telling you right uh maybe most deaf but on that remix i want you to listen to it and Here's why he's just asking a he's asking a bunch of questions. So you're talking about this is the end. We're getting ready. It's the end of the Bush administration. That's the time frame. Okay. And so which Bush all, administration? First or second? Second. Second. Okay. Second Bush administration. And it's not a really old song, but we still play it on our station. Inside of there, there's a prophetic, and you'll hear it. It's a prophetic, very prophetic lyric. It's like it's way this has he common says something that has not happened but will happen when was this song released ballpark it right around 2005 uh, 2008 somewhere in there i'm thinking so i want to i'm gonna tell you right now what year it was um yeah in the 04 okay in the 04 going to 05 like it's like what so you're like, wow. So mindset that I'm thinking, the mindset that I'm in at that at moment for me, 2004 is I'm everybody's still thinking 9/11. Yeah, there's a lot of people just thinking about yeah. that at that point. Certainly, yeah. I was. He, he uh, Jada actually references is uh, he references um, uh, 9/11. He also I, it, it there's there's a little shot in there because it's the first time the Dream Team loses the Summer Games. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, the dream team with Allen Iverson and all those it guys. Was a shock, man. Yeah, and and we did horrible. It was an embarrassment, right? And then he and then he touches on uh, the disproportionate contact, jail contact. It, it's, it's, I look forward to hearing it. Don't tell me anymore. I want to discover it, and I'm going to tell you what I got from it. And you're going to tell me what you got from Chris Stapleton. Sometimes I cry. Next week on Bigger Circles. Sound like a deal? It's a done deal. Yes. Done deal, brother. Thanks for hanging out. And man, I'm looking. I, you know what? The more we have this conversation, the more I want this conversation. Me too. Same here. Same here. 